Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 63 of Law for Virginia Law Enforcement Officers. Big E here, and I'm talking to you about law. What do you need to know as a law enforcement officer in Virginia to better strengthen and serve your communities? Today and next time, we're going to be doing a two-part series on conspiracy, aiding and abetting, uh, the law of accessories, and and addressing all kinds of questions that come up all the time, I think, in law enforcement, but we very rarely delve into why can you charge or why can't you charge, for example, someone in a robbery. Uh, maybe they're present for the robbery and a murder takes place. They didn't pull the trigger. Maybe they knew there was going to be a murder. Maybe they didn't know there was going to be a murder. Uh, could you charge them with murder? If somebody is a getaway driver, could you charge them with the murder? If you have a credit card theft case and there's someone pushing the shopping cart gathering the items together and the card is used by one person, can you charge the person who is pushing the shopping cart with credit card theft and credit card fraud? Um, what about uh, you know drug cases? What about where you have people who get together and decide that they're going to sell drugs and then they go about selling drugs? Is that always a conspiracy case? Could you always charge conspiracy? Can you? Can't you? That's what I want to talk about in uh, the next couple of episodes because there actually turns out to be pretty interesting questions. Before I do, though, I do want to put a shout out to the Oakley group. Um, they didn't ask me to, you know, they didn't pay me or ask me to, to put, give a shout out to them. But, you know, I've attended a bunch of trainings that they have helped to support in the last year. And it's really cool. If you don't know them, uh, they're a real estate group in Northern Virginia. Uh, Will Oakley is a former detective from the city of Alexandria. Marcella Oakley is also a former uh, detective from the city of Alexandria. Um, Will did violent crimes and narcotics cases, and Marcella did sexual assault cases. Um, they were both patrol officers. They both came up through uh, the police department. And, you know, th they're really cool people. They are intensely loyal to law enforcement. They do a lot to support law enforcement in their local communities. And, you know, I've, I've gone to a couple of trainings now where they've helped to support those trainings, and I've, I really just wanted to give them a shout out. Uh, thank you for everything that you do to support law enforcement in Virginia, in Northern Virginia, uh, in our communities. It's so important to have people like you uh, out there, and, and I really appreciate it. You're both great detectives, and you're both great people. And, uh, you know, even though you've moved on to private life, you're still out there fighting for the community, and, uh, and, and, and thank you for that. And I know your fellow officers uh, in the Northern Virginia area uh, thank you as well. So if you want to check them out, they're a cool real estate team. Um, they're at uh, homewithoakley.com. Oakley is like the word oak, like oak tree, and then L-E-Y, homewithoakley.com. And uh, they've got some uh, cool endorsements on their page. I actually know some people who endorse them. So, uh, so check that out. Again, they didn't pay me, they didn't ask me to do this for them, but I just wanted to thank them for everything they do for law enforcement. So what are we talking about today, though? Well, like I said, what I want to talk about today and next time is the law of conspiracy and the law of aiding and abetting and principles and so on. So let's take a minute and step back and talk about the idea of, you know, accomplices and accomplice liability in general. Uh, there's a lot of different terms that you hear thrown around in this area. Terms like aiding and abetting, accessory before the fact, accessory after the fact, principal in the first degree, principal in the second degree. You hear phrases like concert of action or the wheel man or the trigger man rule. What does any of that stuff mean? 
Um, we don't really teach that, I think, to law enforcement. Um, frankly, we don't do a very good job, I think, of teaching it to lawyers and prosecutors. But, you know, under the common law, which is to say the law as it was and under King James of England, uh, as it was brought over here to the, United, to the United States, brought over to Virginia, and at the time of the founding of Virginia, was uh, took effect as, as Virginia's law. Virginia adopted the law of King James of England. So the old rule used to be that there were four categories of offenders. Right? The first is the principal in the first degree. That's the person who actually committed the crime. So a bunch of guys go to rob a place. The guy who pulls out a gun and shoots the shopkeeper, that is the principal in the first degree. The principal in the second degree is present at the scene of the crime and aids or abets the commission of that crime. So the guy who's in the store at the robbery, who's also got a gun, who's holding a gun, holding the other customers at the store at gunpoint while the first person is pulling the trigger, he's the principal in the second degree to that uh, robbery. Then you have accessories before the fact. Those are people who are not present at the scene of the crime, but they aid or abet its commission. So maybe the people who provided the gun and told the robbers uh, how to get into the place and maybe left the back door open uh, because the, the person who's aiding an accessory before the fact here is the, um, it's the person who works at the store and said, you know, I'll leave the back door open so you can sneak in the back door. And then accessories after the fact, those are people who render assistance after the crime is completed. So they uh, do the robbery, they shoot somebody at the store, they escape, and then they have the money and the guns. So they go to somebody's house and that person gets rid of the guns. The Virginia took that rule and decided that as far as Virginia law was concerned, if you are on the team, that is to say whether you are somebody who's actually pulling the trigger, who is present but doesn't pull the trigger, or who helps plan the offense before it takes place, if you're part of the team of people who's putting that offense together, you are just as guilty as the person who pulls the trigger and shoots the shopkeeper. Who commits that murder. And in Virginia, every principal in the second degree and every accessory before the fact can be indicted, tried, and convicted and punished in all respects as if they were the principal in the first degree, that is to say the person who pulled the trigger. And the only exception is some forms of aggravated murder or what we used to call in Virginia capital murder. So this comes from a concept called concert of action. And the idea is, and this is the quote, all those who assemble themselves together with an intent to commit a wrongful act, the execution whereof makes probable in the nature of things, a crime not specifically designed, but incidental to, to which was the object of the Confederacy, are responsible for such incidental crime. So again, you go to a robbery, you have guns, you point guns at people. The fact that a shopkeeper is killed, it wasn't the plan to kill the shopkeeper. But certainly it was uh, conceivable, it was not a surprise to you that the shopkeeper was murdered. And the court continues here, it is not necessary that the crime committed shall have been originally intended. To be guilty of murder, I didn't have to know there was going to be a murder or even want there to be a murder uh, at, the, uh, at the robbery. And indeed, this is how we solve a situation, maybe, for example, where you have two offenders uh, who are committing a robbery. Both of them have shotguns, and both of them, let's say the shopkeeper tries to run away. They both shoot at the shopkeeper. 
uh, the shopkeeper is killed, who's responsible for the murder? Whose shotgun? They both shoot at him. We have no way of knowing which shotgun fired the fatal shots. Uh, and the court in Washington versus Commonwealth finds the Commonwealth didn't have to establish which of the two people fired the fatal shots. Uh, this was a case where two inmates had uh, guns and killed someone. The court says Washington and Jefferson were equally responsible for the consequences of the acts of the other. And so one could be found guilty either as a principal in the first degree or principal in the second degree. And it wouldn't matter either way uh, whose actions killed the person, right? If you hear, you know, two inmates, if they beat the uh, jail officer to death, whose final blow killed the officer? It doesn't matter. It's a concert of action. They're both equally guilty. And again, maybe one of them is beating the officer thinking, well, I'm, we're just punching him. We don't want to kill him. And only the other guy wants to kill him. It doesn't matter. It's not necessary that the crime should be part of the original design. In the eyes of the court, it's enough if one of the incidental probable consequences of the execution of that design uh, should appear at the moment to one of the participants to be expedient for the common purpose. Right? And this is true even if, again, the offender didn't know that the murder was going to happen. The Commonwealth's failure to prove that the defendant had advanced knowledge of his co-actor's possession of a firearm is immaterial. Uh, here, the court, you know, the court might explain the evidence warns the inf uh, warrants the inference that he that there is, you know, in the, rob the case of a robbery, right? You're one of four people. You're acting together. You decide to rob somebody. Um, you you follow the person. You surround him. You accost him, and then if one of your confederates shoots the victim and kills them, if the, your confederate decides it's expedient for the common purpose and it's done to achieve that common purpose of that robbery, then everyone is guilty of that offense. Now, notice here, again, it has to be something to accomplish the purpose, and it has to be expedient for the common purpose. I think you'd have a harder time if you had, you know, four people who say, hey, let's go shoplifting. Uh, let's go steal some clothes from Sears. And then while you're inside Sears, uh, all of a sudden, one of the Lost Wrench people says, hey, stop. And one of your Confederates pulls out a gun and shoots and kills the the Sears person while the rest of you are running away. There, I think it would be more difficult, you know, not saying it's impossible, but it'd be much more difficult to, uh, to successfully argue because here um, you'd have to show that the shooting would be expedient for your common purpose and that you're acting in concert in, a, in an action where the, you know, it, it would be a probable consequence of that going in to steal things that you're going to shoot and kill the loss prevention person. Did you know the person that your confederate was carrying a gun? No, you didn't know that. Did you know there was going to be violence? No, you didn't know that. Was going to be a threat of violence? No, you didn't know that. So there, right, th here th th that reasoning is not going to apply. But if your intention is to use the threat of force and weapons to hurt someone, right, in that situation where you're all carrying guns, you're all presenting guns to someone, it's a probable consequence that someone's going to get killed. Um, every co-actor is criminally responsible for the shooting, even if you have people who didn't intend or anticipate that to occur, because they share that common intent to, uh, to rob. Uh, they share the common intent to commit all the elements of robbery, including the use of force, violence, or intimidation, as would be expedient for the accomplishment of their purpose, right? And that's what makes it different from just the, you know, the shoplifting that suddenly, you know, turns into a robbery, much to your surprise, because you didn't know your buddy carried a gun with him. 
Now, this is a, I will tell you, you know, that this is Virginia's rule. It is a controversial rule in some respects. Um, there are states uh, that have moved to, to override this rule. Um, it's considered like a felony murder rule. And it was proposed in the General Assembly to eliminate this rule last year. Um, the district attorney, former district attorney for San Francisco, I'm assuming the current district attorney for San Francisco is a guy named Chessie Bowden. His parents famously are serving uh, sentences for murder in a case where they were involved in a armed robbery of a, of a Brinks armored car back in the late 1970s. They were part of a, a revolutionary movement uh, that was using violent actions to, um, uh, to achieve their political goals. One of the things they did was they uh, robbed uh, an armored car and they were chased by the police. Bowden's parents got out of the car and sort of put up their hands and acted like they were surrendering to distract the police officers. When the officers were distracted, then the other two individuals got out of the car uh, and killed the police officers. Bowden's parents serve, are serving uh, sentences still to this day for that murder. Now, the argument is, you know, well, did they pull the trigger? No. Did they intend to have those police officers die? Well, you know, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But here, again, the re explanation under the Virginia rule is an incidental probable consequence of such a shared intent to rob using weapons was the use of the weapon, including a firearm if one should be at hand. And in such circumstances, the law is well settled in Virginia that every co-actor is responsible for the acts of the others and may not interpose his own personal lack of intent as a defense, right? So that case involving Bowden's parents, that wasn't in Virginia. But if it had been, right, his parents wouldn't have been able to say, oh, but we didn't mean for the officer to get killed. We didn't have guns in our hands. We didn't do the shooting. That was somebody else who did the shooting. Well, in Virginia, that's not a defense. So we have two kinds of principles then in Virginia. We have principles in the first degree, that's the actual perpetrator of the crime. And there may be one, more than one perpetrator of the crime, right? I mean, again, in the robbery, as far as the robbery goes, if I've got, you know, two or three people robbing that liquor store or four people robbing someone on the street, all of them are principles in the first degree because they're all doing that robbery. But the principle in the second degree, that's the aider and abetter. That's the person who's present um, either actually there or maybe they're constructively present. Maybe they're just driving the getaway car, right? Um, but they're assisting the perpetrator in the commission of the crime, right? Um, in common law, we actually didn't use this concept principle in the first degree, principle second degree. They used to say accessory at the fact, right? So, you know, you have accessory before the fact, accessory after the fact. Uh, principles in the second degree used to be called accessory at the fact. They were accessories to the crime who were actually present at the time. Now we say principle in the second degree. Is that more or less confusing? I don't know, but lawyers get paid a lot to say confusing things. So uh, there, you know, the getaway driver would be a principle in the second degree. He's there at the crime. He's sitting there in the car waiting to pick these guys up. And, and then uh, he's crucial to the crime. He's not necessarily holding a gun and he's not inside doing the robbery but he's certainly a principal in the second degree. And he's just as guilty as the people inside doing the robbery. That's part of Virginia Code. Virginia Code 18.2-18 uh, provides that in the case of every felony, every principal in the second degree, an accessory before the fact, can be indicted, convicted, and punished in all respects as if they were a principal in the first degree. Um, so... 
to be an aider and a better, right? What is it that gets you drawn in? It's not just that you're present, right? Because the victims are present too. Um, lots of people are present. What makes you guilty of an aider and a better? Well, you have to do something actively, right? Or you have to share the criminal intent of the person who's committing the crime. So the getaway driver, what are they doing? Well, they're driving everyone to the crime. That makes them accessory before the fact. Uh, and then they're driving everyone away to escape. So they're certainly guilty of overt acts. They also share the criminal intent because they know there's a robbery going on inside and they want people to get robbed inside. And that's why they're sitting there in the car while the crime is going on. So the getaway driver is guilty uh, for both reasons. And the test that you use to figure out whether somebody is guilty as an aider and a better or uh, uh, principal in the second degree is whether or not they're encouraging, inciting, or in some manner offering aid in the commission of the crime. So uh, here again, if I'm the lookout, if, we're, if my four guys are going to go in and rob somebody, beat them up uh, and take their money, uh, one guy's got to stand as a lookout in the alleyway to make sure no one else is coming. So he is somehow offering aid in the commission of the crime by being the lookout. He is also guilty. He's present lending somehow, uh, doing something while somebody else uh, commits the crime. So it's not just being present. At the crime, this is really important, right? Uh, when you think about that 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 case that I mentioned, where you've got the credit card thief and the guy pushing the cart, right? Uh, it's not enough that you're just there while the credit card theft is taking place. There has to be something that you can show, some evidence that you have that demonstrate that the uh, principal in the second degree, the aider and abetter, is somehow procuring or inciting or encouraging the actual commission of the criminal offense. Right. And so being there isn't enough. Right. Um, and you can actually, you know, there are innocent people, right, who are going to be present and not know there's a criminal offense taking place. And indeed, somebody can become an aider and a better by tricking innocent people into doing things for them, right? You could even, if you, if you think about this, right, you could trick somebody into committing a crime for you. And you could still be a principal in the first degree, even though you're not present for the offense itself, right? Uh, you can imagine a situation, right, where you'd say, hey, um, you know, I'm uh, sick. I ha I'm exposed to COVID, but I really need my diabetic medicine. Will you take my credit card inside and my ID inside and buy me and buy, uh, um, you know, my diabetic medicine for me. And you say this to some, you know, a bunch of people and finally somebody says, yeah, I'll do that for you. Oh, sure. I feel bad for you. So they take the card inside. They use their st the stolen credit card that you provided. Um, they don't know the card is stolen. You're sitting in the car. You didn't do anything, right? You're just sitting in the car. You're like, hey, I didn't use a stolen credit card either. I'm just sitting in my car. Some, you know, schmo on the street that I found and gave this card to went inside to use the card. I tricked somebody else. I'm sitting in the car. I've tricked somebody else to using a stolen credit card. Uh, am I guilty as a, what am I guilty of? Conspiracy, aiding and abetting, you know, accessory before the fact? No, you're still guilty as a principal in the first degree. Uh, if you're using an innocent or unwitting agent to commit your crime for you, even though you're not personally present, you could still be guilty of the actual crime of credit card theft. So in the law, it's not whether you're present or not, right? It's what are you actually doing, the criminal acts that you're doing, and your intention, right? Um, you have to somehow have some shared intention, and that's what makes the 
principal in the second degree guilty too, right? This principal in the second degree in my robbery case, they don't intend to kill anyone in that robbery, but they do intend to go into a store with guns and point guns at people and take money. And that shared intent is what makes them guilty, right? Knowingly furthering the commission of the crime. That's what makes them guilty. Now, when we talk about accessory before the fact and accessory after the fact, what makes them different than a principal in the second degree? Why do we treat them differently? Well, an, a, an accessory before the fact is not present at the crime. An accessory after the fact is not present at the crime. So to be an accessory before or after the fact, you have to not be present. Right. And then to be an accessory uh, and a principal in the second degree, right, what we used to call accessory at the fact, you have to somehow be present at the offense. Now, you might be again, your presence might be you're sitting in the getaway car or you're, um, you know, lookout, that kind of thing. But it's accessory before the fact and after the fact that are not at all present during the crime. That's what makes them guilty. An accessory before the fact is somebody who's not at the time of the crime being committed present but who procures, counsels, or commands somebody else to commit a crime. And there, right, to prove that, you'd have to prove there's actually a crime being committed and that prior to the crime's commission, the accessory somehow was uh, involved. Either they were contriving the offense, they were instigating the offense, or they were advising the offense, right? The accessory after the effect, effect to be guilty as an accessory after the fact, you would have to, first of all, have a completed felony. And it has to be a felony. Uh, you can't be accessory after the fact to a misdemeanor. But it has to be a completed felony. And then your accessory after the fact has to know that the felon is guilty. And they have to somehow you know, receive the, the felon. They have to re uh, relieve him. They have to comfort him. They have to maybe hide evidence, that kind of thing. The accessory has to have some notice, either direct or implied, and it can be implied, at the time that they assist the felon that the felon has committed a felony, right? So they don't have to necessarily, they, people come up after the robbery, and there they are holding their guns from the store, and they're covered in blood, and they got a bag of money, and they say, hey, uh, get rid of these guns for us uh, and burn these clothes. Now they're covered in blood. What do they do? I don't know. But they did something. It was a felony. It was really bad, and, they're, you're, and you're helping to destroy the evidence, right? You don't necessarily know what it is. They haven't told you but it's certainly implied here that you're destroying evidence of a felony that would make you an accessory after the fact now ask yourself who are the people who are probably most commonly accessories after the fact and the answer is probably somebody's parents or their husbands or their wives that's going to be the most common accessory after the fact and then ask yourself why don't we charge those cases and, and the answer, the reason why we don't see a lot of accessory after the facts charged is because most accessories after the fact are family members. And in Virginia, family members are an exception. Family members are permitted, essentially, to be accessories after the fact without being punished under the law. Uh, the next code section, or 18.2-18, is 18.2-19. And 18.2-19 says that no person in the relation of a husband or wife parent or grandparent, child or grandchild, brother or sister, either by consanguinity or affinity, or even servant of the offender, who after the commission of a felony aids or assists a principal felon or accessory before the fact to avoid or escape from prosecution or punishment shall be deemed 
an accessory after the fact. So look at that. So you have this big exception, right? So if the robber is at the convenience store, kill and murder the shopkeeper, and they flee the scene, and they run back to the murderer's uh, mom's house, or the murderer's sister's or brother's house, or murderer's wife's house, and they say, hide this gun, burn these clothes, or throw away this gun for us, uh, that person, that wife or mother or brother or sister, can't be prosecuted for accessory after the fact because they're a close family member under this definition. So they get it to be an exception. They get a basically free pass, right? Uh, could you part charge them with obstruction of justice? Yeah, maybe you could, um, you know, especially since they're destroying evidence of a felony offense. Uh, but there, the elements of the crime are different, so you'd have to prove some different things. But here, they wouldn't be guilty of accessory after the fact of murder, or accessory after the fact of the robbery. Everybody else, though, who's an accessory after the fact, uh, if it's a homicide, they're guilty of a class six felony. If it's a homicide offense that's punishable by death, which we don't have anymore, uh, or is a class one or two felony, right? So life in the penitentiary, an aggravated felony or class two felony. So if it's uh, a robbery murder, right, that, or it's a murder in the first degree, uh, an accessory after the fact to that would be guilty of a class six felony. All other accessory after the facts are guilty of class one misdemeanors. So if all you had was a robbery, let's say, again, the four people who beat up this guy in the alleyway, uh, and they just use their fists to beat him up, and they take his money, and they run back, and they say, okay, you know, um, here's the guy's wallet, throw it away, here's his ID, throw it away for me. Uh, the, the person who does that, assuming they're not a family member, because they wouldn't be guilty of anything in that case, but if they were just, a you know, one of their buddies, that person would be guilty of a class one misdemeanor. So accessory after the fact is a class one misdemeanor. And you can prove accessories, by the way, without ever having convicted the actual principles in the first or second degree. So the principles in the first degree or second degree, they might flee to Mexico or they might die. Uh, but you could still pro prosecute the accessory before the fact or after the fact. You don't have to convict the principles to, uh, to prove one of these cases. But you do have to prove, right? If I'm going to prove accessory after the fact, i got to prove that there was a murder and a robbery and so on. So I have to go through that whole proof of that entire case and prove that it was, if I want to prove it, the classics, felony, accessory after the fact, I got to prove that it was a, a robbery murder uh, and, and, and prove the intent of the principles and all that kind of stuff. I got to go through all that evidence. And then in addition to all that, also prove accessory after the fact or accessory before the fact. Um, where can you bring one of these charges? Now, let's say, again, the robbery takes place, for example, let's say in the city of Chesapeake. And the uh, uh, planning for the robbery takes place in Ri the city of Richmond. And then the offenders flee after the offense to the city of Virginia Beach. So they plan it in Richmond, commit the robbery in Chesapeake, and they flee to Virginia Beach. Well, an accessory, and this is 18.2-21, an accessory either before or after the fact. And again, it doesn't matter whether you've actually committed, convicted the principal in the first degree or the principal in the second degree. Um, whether they're alive or dead or they've escaped or they're on the run or whatever, you can try your accessory uh, and convict them and punish them in the city or county uh, where they became an accessory or where the principal felon might be indicted. So if you had accessories before the fact, people who maybe provided the guns for the robbery and so on, in the city of Richmond, you could prosecute them in Richmond where they uh, planned the offense. 
and then the city of Chesapeake where the robbery actually took place. And for my accessory after the fact, who got rid of the guns, who burned the clothes, again, the robbery happens in Chesapeake, so you could prosecute them in Chesapeake, or you could prosecute them in the city of Virginia Beach where they got rid of the clothes and they got rid of uh, the guns. So uh, either one of those venues would work. Now, all of this, everything that I've just told you today, when we're talking about the idea of the accessory, the, the principal in the first degree, the person who pulls the trigger, the principal in the second degree, the person who is there, who's helping commit the crime, uh, the accessory before the fact, uh, who's not present at the crime, uh, but helps to aid the commission, the accessory after the fact, the person who assists them by getting rid of the evidence or whatever, um, all four of those categories None, at none of these points have we talked about conspiracy, which is the whole point of what we're going to talk about. So that's what I want to talk about next time, is where does conspiracy fit into all of this discussion? Uh, but for today, I hope that's helpful to lay the groundwork for our conversation next time about conspiracy. Uh, from now, though, that's all from me. Uh, that's all from Big E. Uh, I hope this was useful for you. Uh, thank you for all the feedback I've been getting about the podcast. That's great. If you have ideas for future episodes, please let me know. Uh, let me know, hey, you know, I want to hear about this or that, or this episode was useful or not useful. Uh, you can provide feedback to us. We're on SoundCloud. Uh, we're on Stitcher Podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts. If you have another podcast app that you like, that you want me to be on, uh, let me know, and I'll try to uh, get on that app as well or get on that service as well. Um, you can always rate us on Apple Podcasts, too, uh, and that's a good way to provide feedback as well if you would like. But for today, that's all from me. That's all from Big E. Happy New Year. Stay safe and don't get captured.